Yeah, yeah. So, so it is. It is a remarkable. Yeah, I, I've had great experiences and just the absolute worst load ins and loadouts of my life. Oh, it can be brutal. <laughs> and, and and the other thing I would want to say about that is, and 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 the the great creative group of African American people in this town are what drive the city. They drive as creative, you know, creatively, creatively. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're hard. Just that community is what built this city in my opinion and what's interesting is that that street which was a an african-american entertainment district was in large part in my opinion removed or taken away Uh and black people are like oh we'll just go over here right Oh, you're going to take Bill? Well, we'll be over here. We'll be on North Thomas, or we'll be somewhere in South Memphis. I've played so many uh, African-American clubs throughout the city that are so awesome and happening Mm -hmm. and that make Bill Street look like... A caricature. A caricature. Yeah. You know, blues clubs, juke joints. Um, Man, I played a gig like a couple months ago at this place called Classic Hits. This place is bumping on a Friday night. It is awesome. Mm-hmm. Playing soul music. I was playing with uh, this gal, Stephanie Bolton, who's so incredible. And we went in there and it was like a one-setter. It was a one-set gig right. and we just smoked and then walked and the crowd was like way into it and then they had the DJ. Um, food was awesome. Packed. I played at Memphis Sounds. There was a club called on Third and Court I played at Memphis Sounds for three years every Friday night with a band called A440. Yeah. Our lead singer was uh, is a great guy named Big Baby, who's incredible, Tamika Goodman. <laughs> yeah. We did that gig every Friday night. And they, I mean, and I wasn't the, I mean, there was a, there was a the guitar day- player before me and a guitar player after me. But like that place was packed every the, Friday the night. The basement of the Econo Lodge. It was the basement <laughs> of the Econo Lodge, and like so, you had what was cool is it was a it was a black club, and the Econo Lodge was was like it was black owned, and the Econo Lodge was black owned, and so like you had people traveling into this area that go to the the Econo Lodge, and so you could A and R Barbecue was there, so you could have yeah. you know a meal there, and then you could have entertainment down below and like so there was always one of the, the point is there's always a different crowd yeah so it wasn't necessarily a totally localized crowd so it was like where are y'all from you know alabama like mm-hmm. you know we're from georgia we're from louisiana and so she had a different we and she big baby had a different audience almost every friday night and she would turn it out and just yeah. and it was like she was like powerhouse soul singer comedian credible uh, stage presence mm-hmm. and ability, like, and especially if you're like a white, I would watch like a white dude walk in. I was like, oh, he's gonna get it, and you know, like white coat sitting. She's like, all right, I'm gonna talk to you, you know, just like go over and yeah. find, you know, like yeah. Carl and mess with you. Yeah, and um, but it was always awesome and fun, and um, that's Beale Street. Oh, it's not on Beale Street, but it's Beale. Beale so the point I'm trying to make is like Beale Street is an idea, mm-hmm. and it's and it's really the black, the wonderful creative uh, black community of the city. So it doesn't have to be yeah. there. It right. can be wherever. It could be on North Thomas and all those at CC's Blues Club. You know, it mm-hmm. could be at Wild Bills. You know, we I know I'm sure you've been to Wild Bills and you go, hey, go to Wild. You know, people that come in town, go to Wild Bills. Yeah, that's that's a juke joint. There was a place called um, Green's Lounge that uh, is burned down years ago, but that was a place. That's Beale Street to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so it doesn't have to. And again, it doesn't have to be this brick and mortar. Yeah. That might not be what a, a a business owner down there would want to, for me to say, 
but that's the way I feel about it. Yeah, yeah. If, if yeah, it's it's just uh, the tension between trying to, you know, make your uh, make your quota of, of sales in the evening and also try and support yeah. the arts, whatever that means. I know it's tough. Yeah, because it's it's, those things can be sometimes in, you're not congruous. Like, sure. They're trying. I understand. They're they're business owners. They're trying to make. A, they're trying to you know meet their quotas, like you yeah, said, and yeah. then they're trying to help the city. And we have a t- you know tourism dollars important. I understand all that, but but then there's this sort of there's an artistic thing, and there's about people having a good time on a yeah. And then this music that comes from our city. That's I just feel like it's going to do its thing. Right. It's not it's going to live and breathe. And there's so many young people now in town doing so many incredible things, regardless of what me or you or, you know, or John mm-hmm. do like we can, t- you know, they're like, I think the creative sort of thing spirit, it's, it's just going to do its thing. Yeah. It's going to live and it's going to seep into things because it's powerful the stuff from here. Specifically that, um, demographic is so powerful that it's it's not going to be bottled up onto a one mile yeah strip yeah right yeah. You, you, well you, you mentioned too I mean like and you're you're kind of getting it out there to the rest of the world lately with um, you know Don Bryant and yeah I've been great you, yeah yeah you've been going to like Europe and saw Canada the other day right or, yeah we did oh wait, uh, you went to Morocco we went to Morocco that was, that was awesome yeah. so for the last that. few years yeah. we've been traveling quite a bit uh, we put a record out in s- I want to say 17 and we got we're working on a new record right now that's going to be out next year um, it's really good by the way so for those who don't know so Don Bryant um, is so okay let me back up a little bit mm-hmm. I've been playing in this band called the Bokies that was started by Scott Bomar who is a fantastic producer uh, film scorer and studio owner here in town and him uh and uh, the trumpet player and a fantastic arranger and friend of mine, Mark Franklin, they started this band long to actually like early aughts um, called the Bow Keys. And it was sort of the idea of, of, of a, sort of a, a classic Memphis soul band in the sort of in the mold of, you know, Booker T and the MGs or the house band at Stax, uh, the, the high, high rhythm section, you know, these sort of studio house band, soul bands. And um, what was cool about that group, and is still cool about that group, it features some you know younger players, and then some uh, what I call like soul architects, you know, from those those eras. You yeah. Know? So they had um, at one point Willie Hall, who was in uh, who was a Stax drummer uh, with Isaac Hayes, and many 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 others. He's on the Blues Brothers in the Blues Brothers movie. Yeah. Many of you have seen the Blues Brothers movie. That's Willie Hall on drums. He was originally in the band. Um, that's a great term, soul architect. That's yeah, I, oh, yeah, yeah. I like that. Because they that's built cool. this that's thing, cool. you know? All, yeah. Um, uh, ben Colley, who was the trumpet player with Otis Redding, who was the only surviving member oh, of the plane crash. Oh, my gosh. Ben was a, was, was a long-standing member of the band until he passed uh, a few years ago. Um, Skip Pitts. Who was is the guy from playing the wah guitar part on Shaft? Oh wow! And uh, played on like you know the other big hit he played on was Ozzy Brothers' "It's Your Thing." That bounce, that's him. Um, 
I did a great inter- impersonation. <laughs> that, that, that was, I, I heard John, it. I know you're impressed I by to- that. No, I totally heard that. Um, <laughs> this nice filtering. That was um, <laughs> so when I so so I was a fan of the band and all you know I'd seen the band and watched the band and then um, and friends with you know a bunch of those guys in the group and then. I had a little trio called the City Champs, and we wanted to record. And the first guy I went to was with, was Scott, and we made a couple of records with him. And um, Skip, I started kind of playing with the band. I can't remember exactly the the timeline, so to speak, but I was like, you know, Skip can't make it, or Skip was having some health issues. And sometimes we play together. There were some really great um, gigs we did where they, I guess, like their keyboard player couldn't make it or whatever and sometimes we do the two guitar thing which was super awesome yeah to get to just learn from him because he was skip was just kind of like no man you ain't doing it right you know he was like <laughs> that guy you know like it was just like oh you know like when i first met skip i was like man this dude's riding me man it's actually better you know in a way because there's nothing worse than playing with two guitarists and, and you're yeah, like yeah yeah i don't i want to step on your toes but this ain't working, you know? Right, right. And, 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 and in fairness, it was me. <laughs> it was me. I was sucking. It was all right, whatever. No, but the funniest thing, John, you'd appreciate this. Like, if we were playing like a, a shuffle thing and he didn't like it when I was doing, he'd go, honky tonk, honky tonk. Because he wanted me to play the, the kind of Jimmy Reed honky tonk part. And I'd be like, okay, donk, donk, donk. And he'd be like, you know, he'd chill out. But um, we ended up becoming really good friends and, and, um, I miss him. He he passed, but um, but when he yeah, so towards the end of his life, he was you know he was really suffering from some health issues. I started playing more in the band, sort of covering for him, and then and then skip pass, and and then and since then I've been I've been you know doing it, and uh, so we've backed up a lot of different great soul artists. Um, you know we did we would do the Ponderosa Stomp uh, Festival down in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot, so we would back. I mean, back up all kinds of people. Too many to name here, but like, I mean, uh, William Bell. We've we've worked with him. Otis uh, Clay. We backed up Otis Clay on a bunch of shows. Who I was like one of my all time uh, soul uh, singing heroes. One of maybe maybe after Ovi Wright, he's my favorite. Otis Clay is incredible soul singer that was on High Records. Um, William Bell, of course, from Stax. We 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 did a we've done a bunch of stuff with him, and. Um, we were we were working with a great singer, uh, Percy Wiggins. We did a record with Percy, uh, and and then we've worked with his brother Spencer, who's like one of the great. Spencer Wiggins is one of the great uh, Memphis soul singers. I mean, you know, you talk to guys and gals from that era. Uh, Spencer was like the club singer in Memphis. Mm. He was like the hottest club singer. Like stories, like you know, he'd play a show at the Flamingo Room and have to like go like get out, leave on by the fire escape because like he was being bum rushed by the ladies. <laughs> you know, he was just like. Like that kind of power, kind oh, of, a, wow. of a singer, and then uh, as of late, that all brings me to uh, we've been working with a phenomenal singer and songwriter named Don Bryant. Don Bryant was Willie Mitchell's male um, uh, singer or, or club singer. So Willie Mitchell, you know, pe- people know him as a producer that that did, um, you know, Al Green and Ann Peoples and, right. and, and Otis Clay and, and Sil Johnson, Royal Studios, and you know, Royal Studios and High Records. But but Willie. Uh, cut his teeth in the clubs in Memphis, and he was a like five, six night a week club um, band leader. Mm. You know, he came from um, you know learning. I mean, he there's a lineage here. I mean, he literally, you know, Al Jackson's dad had a band. Willie was in that band. 
you know, Al Jackson Sr.'s been these orchestras, these like post sort of war. Um, uh, there was a, there was these were real popular in Memphis at the time. There were clubs Paradise everywhere. Paradise Club and Paradise Club. There were clubs everywhere, yeah. Club everywhere. Paradise. I mean, these yeah. guys will tell me we worked every night. There were clubs everywhere you can work That's every amazing. night. It was constant. So, so no Netflix. People went outside. <laughs> People went and Gosh. they saw music. The Manhattan Club. And then, of course, the whole West Memphis thing with with the, with the um, Plantation Inn, famously talked about in Robert Gordon's book. It came from Memphis. If you haven't read that book, check it out. Um, so, um, so Don was his singer in the band, and, and Don apparently was like this like acrobatic, like he'd do like backflips and this floor show and he's an incredible singer. There's some stuff on, you can watch some things on YouTube from that era. Mm. There's like, I think on the, on the, on the beat, there's a YouTube clip of Don Bryant. You can, you can YouTube that and just see what a, what an incredible singer he was as a young person. He's and and, and he's maintained that. And so what, so essentially as the label began to, or the studio and the label blew up with, with really Al Green's, uh, successes. Yeah. Uh, Don took more of a songwriter role uh, with the the label. Um, so he was writing. A, you know, he's written songs for like the Five Royales, Otis Clay, um, and then um, his wife. Eventually, well, and soon, pretty quickly, he married his his ultimate uh, interpreter of song and peoples, and they had a hit called I Can't Stand the Rain. Huge yeah, right. hit. Yeah. And that's Don, you know, it was Don's song. And so uh, they have had this, you know, they've been married ever since. And, you know, t- you know, touring with her thing, you know, as she's gone out in the world and toured and um, had a long career. Um, Don's been there, you know, as her, as her husband, as her warm-up act, as her, um, uh, I think, to a certain degree, like a musical director, yeah. And then she she had um, she can't sing quite anymore. She had some health issues. She's doing she's doing really well, but I think her singing thing is 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 kind of pushed back. And and he decided, hey, I'm going to get out here and 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 do. You know, she was always out here and traveling, yeah. and uh, I'm going to do. I'm going to. This is my opportunity. And so um, uh, Scott and him uh, came to a consensus and they decided to make a record and we were the, the band to do it. And uh, and since then, he is, um, especially in Europe, getting a lot of love and attention. And yeah. we've been touring over there, festivals and clubs, and then they just go crazy. And he's this man who's 77. You talk about or, you know, when we were talking about, you know, this music and how powerful it is, I mean, he goes over there and they just lose their minds. I mean, he, wow. I'm talking about, I mean, we've played like club, we play like Scandinavian, we, we've done a lot of Scandinavian countries and you'll have these like, I remember we played in Oslo once and like these like two huge Scandinavian dudes came back and they're like crying. Don Bryant, you know, they're just like losing their minds. I'm like, this man's effect on people is is really incredible, and um, and it shows you the power of this, you know, the, this music still, specifically Memphis soul music. It's still like really potent, and it still holds sway. I I, I think you know we're we're wishing to have you know. To, to do more in the in the U.S. Um, and hopefully, I think you know, as this this new record comes out, hopefully that'll happen. We've done it. We've done some pretty cool festivals here, but we've done mo- most of our work's been in Europe. Yeah, 
where they really just go for it. That, really, that seems to be a cliche, doesn't it? It I mean, is. Where, like it's, it's, no, I hate it. I hate that. Right? I mean, uh, so, but yeah. they really appreciate, they just, there's a, they see the importance of culture and they don't see it as like, oh, well, that's some dated thing. You know, it's like, this is important, you know? Like, yeah. And especially, you know, you'll have these smaller communities, say in France, we've, we've done a lot of stuff in France and they'll have like a, a music festival and it's, there's money for it. First of all, it, it takes that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the other thing is people will go. They don't necessarily know who he is. They're like, Oh, there's just some American soul singer. We'll go, we'll go to that. Yeah. Right. Like they're going to take a chance on something. They don't necessarily know what it is mm-hmm. per se. How many guys are traveling? I mean, how, it's not a small so, band, right? No, it's not. It's, um, it's a six-piece band plus Don. So it's yeah, seven. And right. then lately, for the last year, a little more than, or so, we've been t- using a French tour manager who's uh, great. Mm-hmm. So it's usually about an eight-person yeah. operation. Yeah. And pop, yeah. Like Brady Bunch, man. I mean, it, it's it, like, it, and then, you know, half our, or a few of our guys in the band are, are up in age. Yeah. And man, I'm... Pff- I don't know how those guys do it because I'm in my mid forties and I'm just like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just like four o'clock calls oh, and yeah. traveling. You know, it's hard. Yeah. Right. And um, but man, I love it over there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, to see that reaction is is remarkable. It's great. And they again, they don't. You know, when our first, you know, as our first runs into some of these markets, they don't necessarily know who he is. He's so good. He'll win you over. If you don't know who he is, he'll just go out and grab you and, you know, uh, and the band is, is really, um, I think it's the best we've ever sounded That's awesome. in the last couple of years. We've yeah. been using, um, we've been, we have a, our, our we have, uh, when we do records and play here, we use like a, one of the great drummers from Memphis, um, who played, you've been listening to him your whole life, whether you know or not, is Howard Grimes. Right. So all of our records are with Howard, who was the in the high rhythm section. Mm-hmm. So he's on all the Al Green records, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, um, or mo- most of them. The uh, Al Jackson's on a couple things, on a, like four songs or something. But and but Howard's on a lot of that stuff. And then all the Ovi Wright stuff, Phil Johnson, and all the Ann Peebles stuff. That's Howard. Mm-hmm. But when we tour, we've been using this guy Dave Mason, who's a younger. Uh, yeah, I say younger. He's my age, but um, he's like really fan- tall too, isn't he? Man, that dude. That dude's like sick. He's a tall yeah. dude, man. No, he's like, <laughs> like to watch him. You know, he was like a star basketball player. <laughs> I've seen him sit in on drum kits and his knees are higher than the hi-hats. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's like <laughs> a fabulous drummer. Fabulous drummer. Oh, yeah. He he was um, he was Orlando Draper. Oh, that's right. Guy. Yeah, he comes out of that that world. Yeah. Uh, great. Uh, Orlando was a, was a phenomenal. Uh, no longer with us. Gospel yeah. uh, talent. Yeah. Um, and so we're just really the band's really cooking right now, and uh, we uh, were excited because we're we we should have had the new we probably should have had the record out this year, but we've we uh, we're almost done, and uh, we'll have it out next year, and that will afford us the uh, will give us the opportunity to do a lot more touring. Yeah, to have because you know how you always you oh need yeah the new thing. yeah 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 still, you know they're always like where's the new record we're you know we're, all right we're getting there you know so. So that's that is that's so cool. that's going to be for next year. So I'm yeah. excited about that. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. So we can. You're doing a radio show too, right? Oh yeah, we you've got your radio. You, show. The yeah. Jazz Messenger. So, um, 
Yeah, I uh, so the guy uh, that I was talking about earlier that kind of helped facilitate me to make the record, you know, it's, I don't know, you guys would probably, I know you appreciate this. There's like people in your life and especially in your musical and all aspects of your life, but especially in um, your music career that sort of help you along. You can't do this by yourself, you know. There's no way. It's impossible. Yeah. Doing, doing, doing this, this is a tough, this is a tough racket to get yourself involved in. Um, I wouldn't change it for the world, but it's it's difficult. And you always need, you always need uh, people to help guide you along. And, I, and, and I've developed a friendship with a fellow that is the guy that, that is the executive producer of Blue Barrel, uh, a friend of mine named John Buford. Who's a he's a guitar student friend, um, jazz LP collector and fellow jazz LP nerd, and uh, we were hanging out one day, or we might have even been in a lesson. And oh, by the way, John, what in, one of the most incredible Archtop collections. I think, oh wow! In, in the I mean, hey, yeah, this is this is off <laughs> what I asked, but um, guitar hunters, did that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm just now becoming aware of that. I, I well, I, I was <laughs> too. I saw, literally yeah. the day before I did it. Um, yeah, real quick on that is uh, it is a um, docu series that is the way I understand it, or the way I was sort of described to me is sort of a like, is sort of like American Pickers. It has that okay, yeah, I was reality that vibe, yeah. show kind of model, but. It's a little bit different in scope, I think, from what they originally started off trying to do and what they're doing now. But essentially, they're, it's a film crew traveling across the country, and they'll go into a market, they'll find a local professional guitarist, and then they'll just go around the city. And, and then the scope is like going to collectors, luthiers, mm-hmm. guitar stores, venues, and it's sort of like, actually, it's almost like a travel log kind right. of vibe. Yeah, I think the last one I saw was Guthrie Trap. Guthrie Trap yeah. did one in Nashville. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and it's it's there's a host who's this hilarious guy named Greg Harrison, who he's a nut. I love him. I only knew. I mean, we met immediately, bonded. Like yeah. we were like playing, like we were playing music within five minutes, mm. meeting each other. Uh, but he comes from like a metal background, yeah. like like. Nine string guitar, like blah, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. But he's like a huge Django nut. Oh wow! And he can play that stuff. Right. Oh, wow! Huh. He's like a huge Gypsy Jazz uh, Django Reinhardt fan, and um, so he he's the host. And then he, you know, we he takes. I'm. I think the idea is like I'm taking him along and showing him my city. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did. They literally called me like two or three days before the thing. They're like, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like. I was like, sure. I had like a busy weekend. I was like gigging. <laughs> I was like gigging Friday, Saturday, and then I had two Sunday. And it was like, well, we're going to come Saturday morning at eight o'clock at uh, like a late show Friday. And we're going to shoot. It was like a 10 hour shoot. Oh, yeah. Hour shoot. yeah. I had like an 18 hour day that <laughs> yeah, day. It was man. crazy. Um, <laughs> but we did it and it was a lot of fun. We um, they came to my house to pick me up and we do they shot that and then they they did like they were doing like drone shots over my house and my neighbor was like what are you doing <laughs> freaked out <laughs> I was like oh god this is starting off very well and uh, I got him calmed down and then we uh, went to um, 
we went to Martin Music, uh, uh, Eric Martin's wonderful guitar nice, store. Nice, nice guitar on, store. And, and <laughs> yeah, it was super cool. We played and we looked at instruments and talked about them, especially mm. they were interested in vintage stuff. I took them to BB Kings and like Leroy Hodges of the Hot Rhythm section was playing, mm. and they freaked out on that. And we ate lunch and then we uh, and they're you know they're filming all this stuff, and. Um, then we went out to a collector's uh, house out in Arlington, a, a guy who had a massive guitar collection, and we looked at that. So um, it was cool, man. You know, it was a reality style. They did the confessionals, and then, you know, they do you know, all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, where you're, you're like, you're at like, you're sitting there eating, and they're like, you're talking, you know, you're wired up, and you're, I'm talking to Greg, and they're like, okay, do that again, but say this, you know, right. they're, do it you again. Know, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. One more time. You got um, one more in you? But they're on a, like an eight-week shoot or something. I mean, and they're in this like couple buses. It, it looks it looks like it's really di- – I was like kind of felt – kind of pitied them actually. I was like, <laughs> how much longer of, do you have? Like, we got four more weeks of this. <laughs> I mean, it was – they look like they 20 were – 20-hour like, days, man. Long, yes, yeah. long days. So anyway, that's – that's and, 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 and I think there's still um, – I think they're looking for – it's a company – I think they're working for a, a, a company that does a lot of these kind of shows, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know if they've sold the project yet to a distributor. I, I, I they might have, but I didn't get a sense that they had art yet. But it was like a big film crew. I mean, it wasn't some Mickey Mouse operation. It was yeah. really well done. They were super professional. Um, cool film and 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 uh, the producers were great and the and the, and the showrunner was fantastic the showrunner was a, a guitar player he went to git he was super wow. cool he could play yeah so it was pretty neat but um but back to the weevil thing um so my friend john uh he said uh he goes man i used to do this jazz show i think it was like like the late 90s called the jazz messenger and he was like i think I'm, i think i want to do it again but i don't want to do it every week would you be interested in sharing it? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I've never done radio. I don't, you know, like, I don't know. I was like, let me think about it. And then he, and I was kind of hoping he would just kind of forget about it. <laughs> but he was like, hey man, we're going to, I'm going to do this. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. And I have to say like, man, I don't know about you. I haven't, I don't really get very nervous before performances anymore. I used to get really terribly, you know, performance anxiety, but I don't, I don't have a problem with that anymore. But the day before that radio shoot, I mean, the first radio uh, show I had, I, I, I was like, I could hardly sleep. I was like so yeah. ner- And then it's like, now it's like my favorite thing to do. Oh, wow. It's the best. It's it's the coolest thing. And, and so we share it. So I'll do a week and he'll do a week or, you know, because he goes out of town a lot and I've been traveling a bit too. Um, but... The opportunity, it's just a one-hour show on Tuesdays from 1 to 2. You can stream it on WEVL.org. Mm-hmm. Um, to prepare the show and do the listening mm-hmm. that it takes to you know make a good one. And it's just one hour, so it's not a lot of music. But it's the best. It's been really beneficial for me as a musician, actually, to like go down these rabbit holes and explore... Um, different because you you know you you don't want to repeat yourself you don't want to feel like you're just playing the same artist or the same no, kind uh, of stuff over and over again. I, I tend a, to have themes though, which I tend yeah, to have yeah. themes. I think that for me, I don't think he does this per se, but I I think it to have some sort of context mm-hmm. makes it easier for me to do a show. Not always, but I tend to enjoy having some sort of. I did like a Philly Joe Jones show. Was a great jazz drummer. Mm-hmm. I did a I did a tribute to Calvin Newborn, the great Memphis guitar player I was talking about earlier. Um, so that was that was fun. Um, 
And I always try to start the show off with some kind of Memphis music, yeah. some, you know, whether that's the great George Coleman, a saxophonist, or Booker Little, or the great Phineas. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I've decided I'm going to do uh, probably our next pledge drive. I'm going to do a Phineas newborn show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you, you, I, you post, uh, you know, online about your upcoming shows and whatnot. Now, you're also, yes. do, do, do you have a place where you kind of blog about like show notes so people can go back and, you know, I have a website, joerestevamusic.com. I, I don't have a blog. I should do that. I mean, that, that that's some great compilation you're doing right there. Yeah. Like, you know. And I have all of my shows logged, but I, I probably, I don't know, maybe I should do like, on my website, like yeah. a blog part, like, like, like it's notes, a good idea. Yeah, yeah no. Like from back back your music recital days, having to do some notes for your, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's been no, but it's been such a learning experience. Oh, it's great. for me. And then I think it's really good, you know, to force yourself to talk. Yeah, a microphone. Yeah. honestly, yeah. is a good thing to do. No, it's the worst thing. Ever. <laughs> is it the worst thing? <laughs> I can't. I mean, it's, no, you're right. It, you, you, you absolutely need that. That it's but, but it's the oh, worst oh, thing oh. when you say something stupid live on air, yeah. like, and I don't mean anything like I'm just mean like I just said something that I know I made a mistake, like that's not true, exactly. <laughs> like, I yeah, think yeah. I killed somebody, <laughs> like, I was like, and he and I was like, no, he did, he's no, not dead, he's not dead. What did I just say? <laughs> and like, I think <laughs> I can't even remember who it was now, it was one of my first couple shows, yeah. And like a caller, what called me? He was like, is he dead? What? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm sorry. I, I made a mistake. And I had to go back. And I was like, I'm right. st-. It was like, <laughs> oh, oh God. That's the worst feeling. <laughs> because like, at least with this, what you you guys can edit it and yeah, fix yeah. things to a certain degree. Like, oh, live air. You're live air. You're saying no, something it's, ridiculous. Or just on stage, I, I guess is where I was pulling from. You know, I, I, I play, I, I guess these days, most of my, playing is with Carl here and he's really good on a microphone. <laughs> what? You know, I mean, good, good, good crowd. And I'm like, thank God. You know, it's just oh. somebody else, you know. I, I, my, my jokes were not doing very well last night, by the way. Well, right? you know, know it's it's just, it is like some, there's some people who are natural at it, like Carl, right. but like me was like, I think we, the first like big tour the city champs did, we were opening up for the North Mississippi All-Stars. Oh, yeah. I had to like announce the band. And, you know, some of these, like, you know, Thousand Seaters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, this is city champs. <laughs> I was like mumbling. Right. And like, I can't remember who was like, they're like, you got to. You got to talk. You gotta, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can't understand what you're saying. And it was like, <laughs> it was like, and it, as the thing went along, it got a little better. Like, oh, you're doing better. You know, but it was like. Because I was just so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. You're like, what? What's helped me is is teaching. You know, and, yeah. yeah, get in front of people, and I was so nervous because, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I, I might have killed somebody in some mm-hmm. lectures, yeah. but but I've definitely given some wrong information, and then the, oh, sem- yeah. the semester ends, and I'm just like, uh, oh man, yeah, you know, you just, you, <laughs> I did it at my release do, party. Um, I, I, my release party, I went on a long diatribe, um about Bill Doggett. And I was like, we're gonna do a Bill Doggett song. We didn't do a Bill Doggett song. Mm-hmm. I immediately played something else. Right. <laughs> and I was like, why did I do that? I don't know why I did that. <laughs> no idea. Um, just because it's, it is when you're on the mic, in a, especially in a live performance, yeah. and people are there, you know, um, you just start saying things. Because you're, if you're, <laughs> and it's not even I'm not necessarily nervous. I'm just like, it's it's a very weird surrealist thing, but space as you, is is speaking space is weird. It right? is weird. You know, space and music, fine, whatever. We're all told, you know, it's notes you don't play, 
But yeah, speaking space, man, if you're not yes. talking, people are are so you just start saying things. Yeah. Can't you mm-hmm. can start saying but I think like in anything like music or like doing radio or probably doing this, the more relaxed you get, it you just start to have a conversation. You yeah. just start to communicate with people, which is what they want anyway. They just want you to talk to them, you know, if you're going to and especially if you're doing an instrumental thing, I don't know what your thoughts on this are, but if you're doing an instrumental project or you're doing a, like a jazz thing or whatever, it does. I think people do like when you do communicate in some way verbally. They do. Yeah. I mean, I, you I could so. do the yeah. whole like I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to announce the band. Do the miles thing. Do the miles thing and put my yeah. Turn around and have your back to the crowd. But I think it. I think it is good to at least like go. Hey, we just did. This is this piece of music, and this is what. This, especially. If you're in a market or you're in a, uh, you know, playing to an audience that may be n- not as familiar mm-hmm. with uh, the music or, you know, the genre, you know, having some kind of communication, I think. Um, it, it's, a, it's a huge helps. deal. Did, did I mention the Smokey Robinson gig? No. Okay. So I had, I worked for uh, like a wedding band coordinator, but he, he got a hold of this gig on the East Coast. We flew out. It was a foreign insurance company. And Smokey Robinson, his band, where the headliners were opening for him. Wow. Yeah, right? I'm thinking like, holy cow, this is going to be awesome. So we do our shtick, you know, total cover wedding band type stuff. We get done, and he comes out, and he just starts doing songs back to back. And we're all thinking, this is like a flight. He's going to do his, his six songs and just leave, you know. And uh, about to the fourth song, he finally stops and starts to talk about his whole history of songwriting. Wow, and like oh, and this and I wrote and, I, and then I co-wrote this with and we wrote this for the temps and I, and the place was just like pin drop like it yeah. it also he went to this just you know here's some bi you know autobiography on on myself and yeah it was stunning it was stunning I mean his, his vocal the whole you're like I'm watching Smokey Robinson do a gig at the same and then he starts to share his stuff yeah. and it was yeah. it was amazing yeah I think I think people like to have that engagement mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I, I, I want to get better at it it's hard yeah, I mean great oh my gosh um, it, it, but it but there are you know and especially there's some really great jazz musicians that, that I'm a fan of that I've seen like clips of and they, they they can communicate with their instrument or their horn but they also you know I remember have you ever seen any clips of like Dexter Gordon talking and he's just mm-hmm. like this song is about the wind, uh, my first, and the, you well, know, and he's around like, midnight was amazing. Just to yeah, oh see yeah, him. he's he was incredible. Kind actor. of play himself ish, or he would like yeah. read. He would like start reciting the lyrics to the yeah. next Saint standard he was going to play. Yeah. So like, just having some sort of dialogue, especially you know, a lot of people I think who hear there's certain people hearing music, and they they relate to the voice. Mm-hmm. You know, so instrumental music is kind of like right. It just starts to sound washy. And if you can sort of try to gauge them somehow with with a vocal, um, it helps uh, the the thing. I, I don't know. It's I'm still it's still tough because like I'm trying to do something that's not been really that successful here. Like jazz has always been a tough sell in Memphis, right? And I don't play just jazz. I play a lot of different kinds of music, um, but but I do love that music and I do love the musicians from here that were. Um, practitioners of it and most of them left you know be honest Mm -hmm. a lot of them you know ended up in Chicago New York or wherever LA Charles Lloyd Um, but I do I do want to try to help play and make music or play get you know it's it's the best way in the best way I can 
um, to try to introduce some of this stuff. And I think I think a good way to do it and, and to get people interested is to talk about um, our legacy. Yeah, locally because we're we, we're there's a lot more Memphis pride in, in the last I would notice ten or fifteen years uh, than there has been maybe in in the past. Um, and I think going, hey, well, you know, especially when we're you know, talking about the radio show, I'm like, hey, this was a Memphis artist, you know? Yeah. They were from right here. They're from this neighborhood. I mean, th- and they went here, and people were like, this is the greatest thing ever, and you should too, you yeah. know? Uh, this is your local, you know, hometown guy or gal who, who did it. I mean, I, I remember, I tell this story a lot. I was in, uh, when I was in college in, in, uh, in New York, and uh, a friend of mine, there was a Memphis guy too. We were both up there together. And he goes, hey, man, they're doing this Booker Little um, symposium at Rutgers. And, you know, you could just get on train and get get over to, to Rutgers in Jersey. And um, we went over there. And there was a there was Booker Little was a great trumpet player from Memphis who died young. He was you know, uh, from a health um, issue, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately. But in his short time on this planet, he, like, revolutionized the trumpet and – you know, composition and just a brilliant guy. And um, we went over to Rutgers and there was like all these, you know, theorists and jazz educators from all over the world and literally from Europe and all there to talk about this guy from Memphis that nobody in Memphis would ever talk about or right. know about or wow. care about. Wow. And I was like, that's weird. Right. The, the, this, you know, institution of higher learning has taken its time to 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 like you know they had like his solos they were analyzing them in a conference room and it was like wow this is crazy and um, so if I can do my little part you know on a, on on a on a on a radio show or on a gig or or on a record or whatever and just go um, you know these guys were did stuff and yeah. I think they're important yeah. And, Maybe you should too. I don't so, know. So your show is every it's every Tuesday every one Tuesday, to two, one and to it, two. it it is a rotating uh, hosting duties between myself and a guy named John Buford. Who's, cool. He's really good too. Yeah, yeah. and his uh, his thing uh, he has a he has an incredible LP collection. So I'm always like. You know, I'm really up against it. You know, it's not a competition, but like, he'll play. He's he's got he's got really West Coast tastes. Okay. Uh, but he'll play like this rare, the rarest, you know, like this guy made one record. It's right. like some, that's his thing, you know. Like, um, but my thing is a little bit more, you know, I play a lot of, you know, prestige, classic, mm-hmm. mid-century, blue note, prestige, um, uh, arc, you know, just um, classic yeah. labels. Yeah. Um, a lot of classic artists, you know, mm-hmm. nothing too... Uh, obscure. I'm just trying to get people, yeah, maybe interested, and uh, and you know also discover things for myself that are new, and 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 like I said, also the other little objective for me is to play um, some Memphis stuff, yeah, um, when I can, you know. I usually just start the show off with a Memphis artist, yeah. So we tend to um, <clears throat> tend to release this in seasons, but you know if you want to. Talk about where people can hear you now. I mean, hopefully yeah. we won't linger too long. And yeah, get right. Season sure, on. yeah. Well, I'm playing. Every, I play every Sunday at Lafayette's uh, on in Overton Square. How long you been doing that? I've been doing that five years oh, this yeah. week. Nice. All right. We were the we were we've been there literally since the very beginning. The first week they were open, and um, that's a brunch thing, right? It's a brunch. It's a jazz brunch, yep. and um, which is 
you know, I've always loved jazz brunch, you know, seeing music or, you know, that's a, that's sort of a, 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 a place where you can kind of interact with it if you want, or if you don't want to, you don't necessarily have to, but we've, we've had a lot of fun with that gig. And, um, like I said, it was an opportunity to develop, you know, our, our sound, but yeah, we're there every Sunday from 1030 to two. Um, and, uh, I mean, I could, I mean, I've got, I've always got stuff going on. I mean, this Friday we're, you know, I'm in a group called Detective Bureau, which is a, uh, a seven piece, um, kind of Afro-Caribbean, Afro-Brazilian ensemble that we do. We're very interested in, um, like B-movie film score, like 60s and 70s film score. Yeah. We're actually doing a live uh, film score to a Japanese film uh, called Detective Bureau. Um, by, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that's actually where I got the band name from. Um, by a director named Sinjun Suzuki. So we're doing that at Crosstown Green Room. That's Friday. Mm. Um, this band is playing Sunday at the River Arts Series at a at a Montessori school in Harbortown. Um, I'm doing Thacker Mountain Radio on the 19th here. Uh, I know this is, you know, I don't know, people, this will probably be after people hear this, but but it got a bunch of stuff uh, going on. Um, uh, the, I'm in a group called Love Light Orchestra. We have a big show coming up in October, and we're, we're working on and almost done with our uh, second record mm-hmm. that we're recording, and it's, I'm really excited about. And Real, real quick, describe Joe Namath. The, John Namath? John Namath, excuse me. Joe Namath was a great yeah, football right. player. I, 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 I knew I was going to do that before <laughs> I even said it. Like, you remember the Jets, it. folks. Dang it. Um, John. 1969. <laughs> Sorry, John. Um, John is uh, are the leads. So the, the Love Light Orchestra is another project I have with the trumpet player from the Bo Keys. We, um, he's become like a kind of a partner in crime with me on a lot of projects. He's doing the Detective Bureau thing. We kind of put this score together. But we have another group called Love Light Orchestra, which is like sort of like a Duke era records era, like Duke era, Duke records era um Ensemble like the the some of the early Bobby Blue Bland, um, some of the mid fifties sixties, BB King. So it's a ten piece group, five horns, uh, four rhythm, and John Namath on vocals. Who's this really incredible singer who moved here um, from the Bay Area, but he's originally from uh, Boise, Idaho. Oh wow, home of the blues, and um, <laughs> yeah, he's an incredible soul singer it's like man where did you this white boy from boise how do you sing like that and where did you learn how to do this um but he's this powerhouse soul singer and we we uh scott uh, the bokeys actually did a record with him we did a record with him a few years ago and did a did a did a huge uh, tour one month tour with him and uh but me and mark and him were always talking about doing uh, a, a band like this, you know, mm-hmm. like kind of this sort of mid-century blues orchestra, like post-big band era thing. Um, he was like, yeah, 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 we got to do it, we got to do it. And then and then uh, we we ended up doing a record on Blue Barrel, the same yeah. uh, label that did yeah. my record. And we did a lot, we ended up doing a live record produced by a great uh, producer here in town named Matt Ross Bang, who's won two Grammys. And yeah. he's like just this burgeoning star in town wonderful guy wonderful producer great musical mind and um partner he's fantastic he's at uh uh sam phil's recording just killing it over there and so uh we did that record it was live and so now we're working on a studio record Mm -hmm. um which we're really excited about at a new studio in town called memphis magnetic run by a guy named scott McEwen, who's moved here and made this like 
insane studio. It's like you walk in it, it's like Capitol Records and, or like uh, Studio B uh, in Nashville, RCA Studio B in Nashville. It's like tile floors and huge tracking room. You can put a studio orchestra in there. So we're, and it's you know, all analog and, yeah. you know, ribbon mics and all that stuff. Wow. So we're cutting this record in there and uh, that should be out next year. Really excited about. Um, and what else am I doing? Uh, so yeah, the Bokeys record should be out next year. Uh, we're gonna Detective Bureau is gonna do. We're working. I just uh, talking to a, a label. It's not done yet, but it looks like we're gonna do a forty-five for next year with that band, uh, with some original music of mine and Mark's that is very like film score, mid like sixties kind of B movie film scorey, like kind of more more Coney. Wow. Yeah, uh, we're Lala Schifrin's an mm-hmm. influence. Uh, Pierre Umiliani is a great Italian composer, film composer is an influence, um, and I'm hoping to do another Joe Recivo record, hopefully in the next year or so. Yeah, I've already got nice. new music for that, and it's just uh, trying to find people <laughs> to get, yeah. give me money to do it. No so doubt, that, that's that, the that, trick. That's fabulous. You got a couple things going on there. That's cool. Yeah. Um, you know, I met you about 10, I think it was 10 years ago. I think mm-hmm. you were with the Champs. So you were just about to re- release Safe, Safe Cracker. Okay, yeah. Great album. Well, are you doing anything with the Champs now? So um, I've been trying to make a third record in the City Champs for many years now. Um, we'll see. There's always sort of like like a teaser. Like This looks like it might work. You know, a window. Of t- it's really about time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The City Champs is a band that uh, was, you know, a, a very, a passion project of mine. It was like a side band, but it was, it was something that I put a lot of um, time and effort and, 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 and love into. Organ but trio. It's, right. Yeah, organ trio that had like elements of the whole, you know, J- Jimmy Smith thing, but we were also... Um, had influences like I mean we had influences from like Fela Kuti to to Ennio Morricone like film you know film stuff and um, to you know classic uh, groups in Memphis like Booker T and the MGs is a huge influence on that band Lonnie Smith and- Lo- oh, yeah and of course all the Boogaloo stuff all the Lonnie Smith all the you know all the you know um, you know all the classic um, Jack McDuff, all the classic Boogaloo organists would have, would, are, are, are influences to that band, of course. Um, we think, that, so our organist is a very busy man. He's an incredible artist. His name's Al Gamble. Right. Um, he is in St. Paul and the Broken Bones, which is a very successful touring uh, soul band. And he's been pretty much out on the road for the last many, many years. Mm. Our drummer is a great drummer named George Slepik that a lot of Memphians will know. And um, he's now in town and he, for a long time he was in LA. So the band was just really on, we just couldn't do anything because he right. wasn't here, but he's back and it looks like Al's going to be possibly have some time next year to, to do something. So we're, I'm, I'm optimistic that we might be able to, to, we'll probably do some show. We'll definitely do some shows. But um, I'm optimistic that we can record because that's what's more interesting to me mm-hmm. is recording. And we, we've, we've gotten kind of like, we'll get kind of going. Like, it looks like we're going to be able to do something. Like, write a, we've got a lot of music actually mm. in the can mm. um, written, ready to, to record. It's just a matter of like going and doing it, you right. know, and having yeah. the time and patience. And then, and, then I, and then finding someone that 
you know, would be interested in putting it out. But, um, so we'll see, you know, yeah. I, I, I've got, you know, I've got a lot on my plate, but that would be something I'd love to, to do is to do the, the third record. Cause I really love the second record a lot. Um, the setup, which not as many people heard, but I'm real proud of. Um, and then, and then that took on a different kind of quality, you mm-hmm. know, uh, than the first one. It has more of a sort of a, a score film kind of cinematic element to it. Right. And, uh, the new stuff we've been kind of doing is a little bit more kind of psych. It's a little more like psychedelic and far out. Yeah. yeah we'll see. Huh. Um, we'll, we want to just, the thing with that band was like always just trying to do something new with it. And the, the musicians are so good. I mean, mm-hmm. And we, we're, uh, you know, it's a trio. So it's, it's, it's not like having a 10 piece band. It's simple. It's easy yeah. and to communicate or rehearse and our rehearsals are like we we always said our rehearsals were more fun than the gigs we have so much fun (laughs) just getting together and writing and 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 vibing um but um we've all it's it's always been that it's like one of those things i don't know if you've been in a band like this where like the it was like instant chemistry it was like this is like awesome easy we could play anything yeah and it was like great you know just the, the 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 dynamics but um, but we just got to find time, you know, right? Because everyone's been busy, you know, and it's like you know this stuff's hard, you know, you know, creative, you know, if you're not doing something that fits in a popular genre, right, man, you know, finding, <laughs> you know how it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. finding resources to make. I don't think people realize in this day and age, um, finding resources to record is difficult because people there's just don't the people don't buy records? I mean, it's right, just flat out reality. Yeah. They don't buy them anymore. They don't buy CDs anymore, really. So, and the streaming services don't pay anything. So you're really just trying to make these things and find money any way you can. Mm-hmm. Right, um, it's hard. It really is. Yeah, but but you gotta keep doing it. I think it's important. It is important. Yeah. So this season we're inserting our own commercials, aren't we, Jonathan? Can you call them commercials? I, I guess you can. Yeah, what, a little little uh, promo. You know, we've never blatantly asked for money, but no. we kind of are, and we're not really asking for. Well, we're kind of asking for money. We're, we're asking for a partnership. Is that what it is? We've put it off as long as we, we we've can. we've really put it off. Yeah, we, <laughs> we really have. You know, we we had we had some uh, delightful sponsors in our first season, uh, uh, Red Wire Audio, which is still great guys, and uh, Snake Bite, um, some super duper folks, and. We're looking to see uh, if anyone uh, you know would like to jump in and help us cover production costs. They they are real. Uh, that, that's some truth. My folks told me when I was a kid, son, you're gonna grow up one day, and you're gonna have to face production costs. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, what are you talking about? So anyway, if you'd like to jump on board, reach out to us. You can sponsor an episode for this season or any previous season. This is true. We can edit. Yeah, we can jump back and... We'll spin the hard drives and, oh. just, and just slice and dice. Indeed. <laughs>